0: This is the Frog for Life Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline.
1: When, before they said TCU, it flashed up on the board with the purple background and the white lettering. And it was like a cannon went off. You couldn't hear anything for literally for 10 or 15 seconds because there was a one, a visible major cheer. You would have thought that TCU had just Scored the last touchdown and last second for the national championship. That's how loud it was.
0: That is the voice of Charlie Thompson, who is a TCU 1971 graduate. Charlie is a former Fiesta Bowl president and is currently on their board of directors. He will take us inside the room at the Fiesta Bowl from the TCU announcement on Sunday when it was announced TCU is going to its first ever college football playoff. Happy Fiesta Bowl Horn Frogs! This is a very exciting time of year and we figured we better do a special episode of the Frog for Life podcast and if we're going to do a special episode of the Frog for Life podcast we need to tie in the Fiesta Bowl somehow. So we have a very special guest with us today. It is Charlie Thompson, TCU class of 1971 and Charlie is a former president of the Fiesta Bowl. So Charlie was in the room yesterday when the uh, Fiesta Bowl announced TCU is going to Glendale. He's going to give us all the stories from the lead up to it, how it was in the room, the reaction uh, when TCU was announced. And also we're going to get into how did Charlie become president of the Fiesta Bowl and what he does now. So, Charlie, thank you for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you. It's my privilege to be with you.
0: Well, before we get into, uh, you know, the Fiesta Bowl, what you're doing now, um, let's t- let's get into some of your TCU ties. Um, we said you were a graduate in the class of 1971. So what led you to TCU uh, those years ago? Were you, uh, did you grow up in the area or, or how did you get led to TCU?
1: I I grew up in, uh, at, at that time, a small town called Denton, Texas. It had two universities. My father was a professor at uh, now it's called UNT and he had a real estate and a insurance agency as well on the side. And, uh, so I grew up in, in Denton, but really I'm a, I'm an army brat from all over, uh, 22 different cities. And, uh, a guy by the, one of my classmates, uh, actually three of my classmates decided on going to TCU, uh, John Everly and David Hendricks and a, a couple others. And, uh, they they told me that it'd be a good good place to go um, of a family that uh, are U T S M U and Texas A and was trying to find my own way without uh, offending too many terribly uh, different people in my family.
0: <laughs> well, that's a good way to keep everybody happy, and you chose the best university. So
1: I uh, couldn't agree with you more.
0: So you finally get to TCU after uh, after making the choice between all those different universities and uh, you get to TCU. What was your time like there?
1: Uh, it was a, a great time. It's, to give you some kind of background, there was a, a little war going on in Southeast Asia, as you recall. Yes. And uh, things were uh, there was an interesting four years. Let's put it that way, as you may or may not recall President Johnson decided not to run for president. There was a little thing in Kent State that disturbed everybody at TCU. Uh, Uh And then we had a presidential election, which there were three people running, Hubert Humphrey, Richard Nixon, and George Wallace. So we had some exciting times. And as you might guess, uh, students, not that the TCU was a, a radical place, but we certainly had people who were wanting one open hours for females, and two, uh, there was a, a big effort in terms of not wanting search and seizure. Now, I, I, you wouldn't guess what uh, the administration was searching for in the dorms, would you? Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, most of the men's dorms did not want that uh, thing, but we did finally come up with a thing called the Student Rights and Responsibilities that was passed by this all the students by the faculty senate, and by the uh, board of trustees of, of TCU, and I don't know too many documents that have been approved by all three, and the good news is it's it's still there, which is amazing to me.
0: And so what was kind of the result of those documents? What was the action that um, I guess was, a, you know, you guys were trying to, what were the changes you were trying to make, and what was the result of that change?
1: There was a, a lot of changes. For instance, Um, You would probably uh, uh, know uh, a lady that, uh, um, maybe I I misspoke, uh, a woman uh, who uh, went to Hanoi and then she wanted to come to TCU and there was an outcry. Uh, We had at that time, and I don't know whether TCU still has a very strong Army and Air Force ROTC. Mm -hmm. And I would say the majority of the students didn't want Jane Fonda to come to the campus. And so uh, we've, uh, with Dr. Uh, Mouty, who was the chancellor at that time, we steered our way to have an um, off-campus meeting with her. She gave a a speech then, but there were a lot of people who didn't want to, that was the I guess the first time I ever made the paper, and she called me a redneck, and I thought that was probably a a good term until I thought talked to some of my friends and said, Charlie, that's a pejorative term. But then from that point on, I always took it as a as a good term.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you were a little bit of an activist. It sounds like in that standpoint, and your uh, major was uh, political science. Was that kind of the start of your interest in that, or what was kind of your your reasoning for choosing political science?
1: Um, I have a step-grandfather who is a lieutenant governor of Texas, but frankly, I never ever thought about uh, politics or government or anything involved with uh, politics. It was, uh, but because in 1968, I had an opportunity to um, meet several of the candidates, you know, George Wallace and Richard Nixon and Hubert Humphrey. Uh, it sparked my interest. And then I read about five books called the by one of my professors that uh, assigned them to us, The Selling of the President. And so a, a group of us said, well, why don't we try to make some changes? Uh, it got to be kind of boring on Saturday nights at 11 o'clock after you took your date back to Shirley Hall or one of the, the dorms. And so all we did was play cards and drink liquid refreshments that may not have all been coke products or pepsi products (laughs) and um, so one thing led to another i got elected as a uh, wing representative and then a dorm representative and somehow or another i got elected student body president which is amazing to me
0: wow so student body president what are all the uh you know you hear student body president everyone promises we're gonna have all these new changes to the dorms. We're going to do all this to the, you know, your cafeteria program and this, that, and the other. What uh, would you say was your defining uh, act as student body president?
1: Getting the student rights and responsibilities document passed by the students and then the faculty and then the administration and the board of, of trustees of TCU. Okay. It's it, it set up a series of guidelines and I have to... Pay my respects to Dr. Weibel and uh, Dr. and Chancellor uh, Jim Mouty. They had tremendous patience with us. Believe it or not, every Friday afternoon from 1 o'clock to 6 o'clock for literally over a semester. Now, think of this. On a Friday afternoon, they met with us, and there were three of us that met with them. And every Friday afternoon, we hammered this thing out. Weekend, 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 and we took them back to the House of Representatives, got their inputs, and then finally there was a student vote, and then a faculty senate vote, and then the the uh, administration vote by the Board of Trustees.
0: Wow, that's dedication on both sides. I don't know many students now that want to hammer things out on a Friday afternoon, much less a you know, faculty and staff member.
1: Uh couldn't agree with you more, and I can tell you that there was grumbling from me and my friends about us doing that since one of my roommates was the hospitality coordinator out at the uh Miller Brewing Company, so we had other things that were dancing through our heads as opposed to dorm hours. <laughs>
0: So you uh, obviously uh, being involved with student body president takes a lot of your time. Um, were you involved in any other uh, campus activities, or was it pretty much all student government?
1: No, I was involved in other uh, activities. Uh, I was involved with our, I was a history, and a, a, they now call it political science, but a history government uh, major with a mic, uh, minor in psychology. And so I was involved in those uh, uh, societies um, and then uh, was involved in uh, fraternities at, at TCU. But you are right, it it did take a lot of my time when I was a uh, student body president. But before that, I was just a normal guy wanting to date beautiful women and have a good time on the weekends. And believe it or not, I actually had I had great roommates who are much smarter than me. They guided me and embarrassed me into studying. If you can believe it, it they they couldn't believe it, but I couldn't either. <laughs> well,
0: I guess uh, if you're going to have to bet some things, maybe that's uh, maybe that's a good thing to bet is that if you lose, you have to study.
1: That's true. <laughs>
0: So you graduate from TCU. And then, uh, unfortunately is, you know, when you're graduating, people think it's fortunately, you don't take tests. And unfortunately you realize you're leaving the Haven of the TCU campus.
1: What did your uh,
0: career path take you on upon leaving TCU?
1: Well, I went to, uh, uh, to Arizona, uh, to join the Arizona national guard. And, uh, believe it or not, Richard Nixon froze the, uh, uh, the draft one day before I was about to be sworn into the army national guard as a, uh, the Arizona army national guard as a medic, I was going to take my brother-in-law's place. And so I was in Arizona and, um, I looked around and I said, well, I was planning to go to law school. What am I going to do now? And, uh, so I applied to Arizona State University and believe it or not, they had an internship program, a government internship program. So I applied for that and uh, I was selected to be an aide to the president of the state Senate. And from there, uh, I, uh, they hired me on as permanent staff and to lead the Arizona State uh, Senate staff at the ripe old age of, if you can believe this, of 23. Our majority leader, and I'm, I'm going to drop some names here, uh, our majority leader was a lady uh, by the name of Sandra Day O'Connor. She cool. was our majority leader. Uh, you may remember the interior se- secretary who served under Carter for eight straight years. There are very few interior secretaries did that, Bruce Babbitt, but we had a wonderful delegation. You're too uh, too young to know, but there was uh, Mo Udall, who is the chairman of the Interior Committee, John Rhodes, who was uh, chairman, uh, actually he was the minority leader of the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, and there was a guy by the name of Barry Goldwater who ran for president. So it, it was a rather interesting group of people. I went back to Washington, D.C. with a Congressman from Arizona by the name of Bob Stump, who later became chairman of the Veterans Affairs Committee and then chairman of the House of Representatives Armed Services Committee. So I, I had a, a very interesting, uh, let's say, first 10 years of my life. Yeah,
0: I would say that your uh, your Rolodex back then, uh, you probably should have that framed. All the people in there that, I mean, you rub, you rub doubles with quite some, uh, quite the most people you, you learn about in the history books now.
1: That, that's that's true. And it wasn't one Rolodex. We had four, if you can <laughs> believe it, in those old days.
0: Mm-hmm. So how do you get from uh, Sandra Day O'Connor and Barry Goldwater to becoming president of the Fiesta Bowl?
1: So I came back to Arizona. I was made an offer that I couldn't refuse from the state's largest electric utility company that was building the free world's three largest nuclear power plants. There was a little accident in Pennsylvania called Three Mile Island. And since I had put together staffs at the, at the Arizona legislature and then in Washington, D.C., they said, would you put together a staff for our company? Because we're getting a lot of criticism for building this uh, nuclear, these three units of the nuclear power plant in Arizona. And so it was an offer I couldn't refuse and a, a challenge that, frankly, I couldn't refuse. And it was very, very interesting. And so I came back and work for uh, Arizona Public Service Company and its um, parent company, Pinnacle West Capital Corporation. And from there, our company encouraged us. And there was a a little thing that was starting called the uh, Fiesta Bowl. And it was a very, very small bowl, uh, but with a lot of great, smart uh, founders. And uh, believe it or not, I started off in the parade, do it, working the parade uh, <laughs> with the Fiesta bowl. My three parade entrants were the Daughters of the American Revolution, 20 Teen Borax. You have no idea what that is, but 20 Teen Borax. But its spokesman Borax was a guy by the name of Ronald Reagan. And then the third one was Hyaman Brewery. So as you might guess, I thought I was going to be spending all my time with Heilman Brewery. You <laughs> can guess who I really spent my time with, With was with the ladies of the day AR, always looking over my shoulder wanting to be spending time with the brewery. Uh, I thought you were going
0: to say it was with Ronald Reagan.
1: <laughs> no, uh, he was the TV spokesman for 20 Mule Team Borax, if you can believe it. Anyway, and so... From there, I just worked my way up um, through the all the various ch- chairs of the Fiesta Bowl. It was the year that the Fiesta Bowl got into the um, uh, BCS games? We got in the first BCS game. Oh, uh, that's the the bowl conference uh, games. The bowl championship series is the BCS, Ooh. and uh, the same year that we got into to host the uh, the first bowl championship series, we also bought the Copper Bowl, which we then made a, uh, got a sponsorship and made that the Insight.com Bowl. Then we got a TV contract, uh, believe it or not, with with NBC, and then with a little, little side company called ESPN at that time. <laughs> and then uh, we went I went back because we had friends in Texas at Tostitos over there and uh in Plano. And uh we had a nice little negotiation with Tostitos with some ups saying if if they sold more product and uh they had helped us become uh one of the premier bulls in the United States.
0: Hmm. So you work your way up, you get Testitos on board. Um, uh, Fiesta Bowl becomes one of the biggest uh bowls in the in the rotation. Um, and then now you're on the the board of directors. So what's the uh what was kind of the change when you saw it go from BCS to college football playoff and that kind of uh that kind of iteration?
1: Cool. Well, it's it's been interesting from my perspective uh, because it when I started off, it was kind of a free for all, and uh, our our really our first foray was when we had I don't know if you remember the Miami Penn State national championship game, but because both because we were a bowl game with no tie-ins, we were able to invite both of them. And the problem was we had to come up with some money and some real money to uh, host them. And uh, that's hence going to Tostitos. But at that time, Sunkist was our sponsor. Unfortunately, the next winter, uh, Sunkist, there was a terrible freeze in Arizona and California. And uh, a lot of lemons, limes, and oranges and tangerines were frozen and they were had to back out. <laughs> to get a to to be our sponsor, so we had to go elsewhere to get sponsors a sponsorship if we wanted to be in the play with the big boys.
0: oh wow, and so you were uh you know you talked about all this stuff that goes on um obviously people think start thinking about the bowl in like maybe October November when you guys are in March, how much work is going on about the following year's bowl is it lining up sponsorships? I mean, what is kind of like the the year end calendar outside of just the selecting teams that people think about?
1: We let the board of directors allows the staff to take two weeks to recover, write their reports, and then two weeks later, the board of directors meets, and we do an analysis of every single event that we have. Some some we drop, and there then some we have uh, make additional events. But a total analysis, and you are correct. We then go out, and there's a committee of somewhere between two and three hundred people that ask people, ask sponsors: Do you want to re-up? Do you want to? Do you want to expand your sponsorship? Do you want to drop your sponsorship? Do you want to transfer to something else, et cetera, et cetera? We also, in terms of operations, because we have a number of other events. Uh, besides, believe it or not, the, the game itself, uh, the analysis of all of that takes place and it takes a while to get all of the sponsorships back in line and what they want to do. What is the theme of the parade? What is the theme of the million dollar hole in one golf tournament, et cetera, et cetera. So there's there's a lot that goes into it. We literally ramp, really ramp up. Starting usually at the beginning of September, when we start adding interns and professional staff and outside consultants, and at this time of the the year, if if you 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 caught us on the first day, and simply because my phone has been blowing up with friends saying, "Charlie, you remember me?" It's kind of like lost long friends and family. Yeah. Uh, can you get me tickets to the Fiesta Bowl? and so uh that is what's going on a million times more at the fiesta bowl office and that's good news for the fiesta bowl but uh if if when uh when people when you have to turn people down that's not a good thing especially when you're starting to sell out
0: i can imagine so you um So we'll get to the highlight of, uh, of what everyone's excited about. Then we'll go into some of the events that it sounds like you may be able to tell us about. So you're in the room yesterday. Um, all weekend, people were wondering, is TCU, is this going to be a repeat of 2014? Is TCU going to have their heart broken? On campus, everyone's worried. You know, the, the team gathers, but it's kind of, they have one eye closed, one eye open, not knowing what to look like. Um, you're in the room in Glendale. When the announcement's going on, walk us through what the atmosphere was like um, Sunday morning when it's announced TCU is going to the college football playoff.
1: Well, as as everybody remembers, they did Georgia first, then they did Michigan, and then, as I said, there was a gigantic pregnant. To me, it seemed like a a pregnant pause, and the tension in the room went up. You you have to understand that there was a lot of people that want a lot of committee members. We're supposed to be neutral. Uh, Truly we are, we've been pounded into our heads uh, to be neutral, but uh, everybody wanted this very energetic up and coming team. And obviously because uh, the T stands for Texas, they wanted Texans uh, to be coming. And because of the excitement that TCU has really captured the college uh, imagination about, you know, when you're picked seventh in the conference and you go 12 and 0, that's a, a, that's a pretty big deal. And, you know, the Baylor game, the Oklahoma (laughs) state game, you know, we could not believe every single one of those comebacks. It were just, Totally exciting, not only for the Fiesta Bowl but for the other bowls as well. We're all tracking TCU, and as you might guess, so are all the major television networks. So they're obviously looking at it too. So uh, it's it was a good thing. Now, when before they said TCU, it flashed up on the board with the purple background and the white lettering. And it was like a cannon went off. You couldn't hear anything for literally for 10 or 15 seconds because there was a one, a visible major cheer. You would have thought that TCU had just scored the last touchdown and last second for the national championship. That's how loud it was. And uh, there there are a couple of uh, Michigan people in the room and uh, they were shaking their heads, and I, I said, why are you? They said, that's the one we didn't want, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. So we are we are trained to be very, very neutral. Even when we're scouting games, we cannot clap. We go to the, the press boxes, and we cannot clap or show any emotion uh, when we're in a press box. The same game goes for any other uh Public meeting. And as you might guess, all the television stations in Arizona and in the Southwest and uh, nationally were at our meeting. And so we were admonished a number of times do not, do not clap or anything. So, and we're not supposed to wear school colors, or certainly. So, as you can tell, I'm wearing what I did wear yesterday <laughs> my purple and white shirt, my <laughs> purple horn frog tie and my TCU cap. And on my lapel pin, I also have a football TCU helmet. So uh, uh, one, when the explosion of of congratulations occurred and all the hooping and hollering and everything occurred uh, and I got pounded to death on my back, uh, it it was a wonderful And I can say that the Fiesta Bowl is very, very proud to have both TCU and I should say Michigan uh, to play in the bowl. So it it ought to be a very, very uh, good game, I think. And uh, I'm certainly knowing in my heart uh, who will prevail in that game. And they happen to be purple and white.
0: That's right. So you talk about this, um, your scouting games, you're, you're talking about things. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of a different tie-in this year with the football playoff committee. Um, how much input do you guys get with the committee this year? Is it just the committee told you who the teams were? Did you guys have any interaction with the playoff committee? Or how was how, how did that work I in terms of you got the team? I would
1: from- like to say that there is interaction. There is not, even though that the the playoff committee is 17 miles away from TCU in Grapevine Texas <laughs> but there is no zero none interaction with the universities that i'm aware of
0: okay so you don't so when you were uh the bowl is getting together this fall you guys weren't able to you, you yourself weren't able to talk to the bowl committee wasn't talking to the playoff committee or and like, hey, we'd really like we really like Michigan or TCU to be sent to us if you could if you could work it out that way. They just said you're going to get who we give you.
1: That's correct. Okay, and we we couldn't be any happier than having TCU in Michigan. Uh, as you might guess, there are going to be one or two cold people from Michigan that will be at the stadium, and TCU like the last time that they were – well actually the last three times that TCU has, has been here. Uh, TCU has followed very, very well. Uh, They have a a good following. And uh, I think everybody that I'm aware of enjoys being in sunny Phoenix. I can tell you that when I have gone back to TCU and wearing this little subdued yellow coat, uh, (laughs) we usually walk into the stadium and then walk into the team and make an invitation but usually we wrap uh, sunglasses around us and we start off by saying, Today in Phoenix and Tempe, Arizona, the temperature is 72 degrees. And pick your site, whether it's Fort Worth or Ann Arbor, Michigan, <laughs> usually a lot worse than Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, we say, and it is 31 degrees with a wind chill factor of down to 24. Would you like to come to Tempe or to Phoenix <laughs> or to Glendale, Arizona and uh, play a football game? And usually we get a resounding yes. In fact, I've never heard anybody ever say anything <laughs> negative. Let's put it that
0: way. I can imagine we wear those
1: sunglasses walking into the room and they think that maybe we have a, a handicap, but it's more of a stage to remind them there's a lot of sun here. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that.
0: You mentioned that the uh, the TCU's been in the Phoenix area. This will be the fourth time since two thousand nine, uh, two thousand nine Fiesta Bowl, uh, the uh, the game against Michigan State, the uh, Cheez It Bowl, and now but the back with, to the Fiesta Bowl.
1: Right, with um, the, the Cheez It Bowl with Cal. Yeah, and then we played, and then we played Boise, and so this is the fourth one. And what was the game against Michigan State? uh i don't remember the name well it was probably at the that time the uh insight.com bowl that was
0: a insight.com bowl so TC Correct. has been there four times in the last 13 years how would you say the excitement compared you know among the among the fiesta bowl uh, board uh this time compared to maybe some of the other times obviously 09 was a a big thing with TC finally getting into the bcs and we all remember the Cheez-It Bowl because what a crazy game that was.
1: Boy, that was, that was one of the craziest games I have ever – I've never seen so many turnovers in my entire life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can tell you to me uh, – and, and remember, I'm partisan. And uh, I, I loved Andy Dalton and that team immensely and very, was very, very proud and very happy that they came. But I can tell you that to, measuring it right now, yes, we were excited to have uh, TCU come, but the storyline on this year's team and what the offensive line has done and what the defensive line and what the receivers and the backs. And obviously there's a great storyline, which I hope is going to come <laughs> true for Max. Uh, you know, all of that combined and with the students, you know, the students sell out of their tickets, the sellouts of the stadium, all of that had wrapped together has brought a lot of excitement and a lot of interest. Now, I, I can tell you from a firsthand experience that when we had the first Rose Bowl, I can tell you that the number of California and Arizona students that are now at TCU, rose dramatically, and uh, I have a a great nephew who's attending. One of my grandson's ex girlfriends is going to TCU. Their high school. There's three kids from the high school class that my grandson's uh, attended. So it's it's now a place, not only in Arizona but in California and Nevada, that young adults. It's on their choice list of universities to go to. And I have to tip my hat to the Chancellor, uh, Chancellor Bassini, for a wonderful job that he does in terms of he and his staff in terms of recruiting some of the best and brightest in Arizona and California. I know you get the best and brightest from Texas, but it's it's nice to see some really good kids not kids, young adults from uh, Arizona and, and California going to uh, TCU. Mm-hmm.
0: And you spoke earlier about the uh, events um, that you guys plan throughout the year. Tell our uh, TCU alumni, what are some of the events the Bolas planned and what should the the frogs that are making the droves and masses to the Phoenix area, what are some of the activities you would recommend for them?
1: Well, that's, it's funny that you asked, as I told you, my phone had been blowing up. Uh, there must be an awful lot of frustrated golfers uh, in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area, because I would say that I must have had at least, oh, 50 to 75, quote, friends and relatives. Anybody that has a last name that starts with a T said, can you get us onto a golf course here in in Arizona, I said, look, in the Phoenix area, there's 200, over 200 golf courses, and there's about 20 championship golf courses. You're not going to have a hard time getting <laughs> onto a golf course. So uh, bring your clubs and have a good time. We'll have the Fiesta Bowl Parade, which is the single largest one-day event in Arizona, which is a, a, a fun fun event. Uh, hour and a half long uh, event that goes right down central Phoenix. Uh, uh, Lots of bands, lots of horses, lots of big balloons, kind of like the Macy's Day Parade. Uh, There, uh, I guess I better give the female side of everything. (laughs) Yes, we have a lot of shopping in Phoenix. There is a lot of shopping centers and my wife, I think, has built a number of second stories here
0: huh? for those
1: shopping. So I, I guess I I'm, I know that that is stereotyping uh, <laughs> ladies. But however, I, I must put in a plug that, yes, there is a lot of what I would call upscale shopping in okay. both Phoenix, Scottsdale, Tempe, Glendale, etc. cetera.
0: So for you personally, I know you have to try to remain neutral um, and not be partisan, but how many frog friends or family that you knew prior to uh, people coming out of the work? how many friends and family are you going to be uh, watching the game with at the stadium?
1: Well, like I said, I have some very, very smart roommates. And about the fourth or fifth game, they started contacting me saying, Charlie, uh, can we stay at your house? Charlie, can you get us tickets like you have before? And so, one, I will tell you that my roommates had already made contacts, and now that I have family whose grandchildren are now going to TCU, they are, they too are smart and said, Charlie, <laughs> can you get tickets? So I will tell you that that twenty four of them have already. We've already reserved their tickets and bought their tickets. However, here's the the rub. I would say I'm working my way through about a hundred requests in which I am flipping to both TCU. If there's a contact with the, if they have a child at TCU, I'm saying, by the way, your child can buy a ticket at TCU. And if not, then you go to the Fiesta Bowl office. But the, I've talked to, the, the chief financial officer and ticket uh, gentleman who's in charge of that. And those tickets are going very, very fast. I also should say um, it was a long time ago in 1997, 98, when I was president of the Fiesta Bowl. The tickets have gone up a little bit since uh, I was there, and especially good ones.
0: That's why they're asking you for the to get them tickets because the if you look at the prices on SeatGeek, or StubHub or the Fiesta Bowl office, whichever your choice is, they're rather expensive.
1: <laughs> I would you're being very gentle. Uh, yeah, they're very expensive. There's no doubt about it. But it is a much sought after ticket, and uh, I'd much rather somebody be sitting in those seats wearing purple and white rather than maize and blue. Mm-hmm.
0: so we hear about your time in phoenix and we'll wrap up with this how often do you get to come back to fort worth and come back to the- i
1: get i get back i go to at least one away game uh for a football games so i went to buff to see the buffaloes and and tcu my wife's roommate is our tcu roommate lives in aurora colorado okay and so we all four went to the uh to the Colorado game, uh, the unit, you know, we went to, uh, we went to that place South of, uh, Waco, uh, for the, uh, uh, I don't, I don't really want to say its name, but they have, their colors are burnt orange and white. And, uh, we'll obviously be going to, uh, the game out here. So we'll make that always make uh, two basketball games and usually hit one or two, um, Baseball games as well. Yes, the TCU diploma was a very, very good thing for me to have. But I have to admit, it's the second best thing that happened to me at TCU. The best thing that happened to me was I met my wife at TCU. Mm. And uh, I'm going to tell you a, a quick story. But I uh, we went to see the Cowboy-Kansas City Chief football game at the Cotton Bowl. And the Chiefs had just won the Super Bowl that year. So we were going to the game. My roommate uh, was from Kansas City. So as you might guess, he was giving me tons of grief. But as his date was this beautiful, smart, young lady. And I kept looking across my date to her and I was mesmerized. (laughs) And she even actually laughed at some of my corny jokes. So when we got back to our house at TCU, I said, "Mike, she's too good for you, too smart for you, too beautiful for you, and I'm asking her out on a date." Wow! Uh, tonight and the rest was history. And uh, literally a year and a half later, we got married, and have oh. been married for and have been married for fifty years. And we just celebrated our fiftieth wedding anniversary. Going tracking what we did 50 years ago in Switzerland, if you can believe that.
0: Wow. So as
1: so, so far as I'm concerned, TCU is pretty magical.
0: So did you and Mike, are you, you and Mike still talk to each other or was that the end of that friendship?
1: <laughs> you know, we are, no. We, we still talk to each other. We're on Facebook. Uh, all my roommates ended up to being very and very important people. He was the chief financial officer of NATO. Oh, wow. You, yeah. Oh, well, Wow. Well. he went after TCU went to the London School of Economics. Yeah, oh. all my all my roommates are very, very successful. There's got to be somebody holding them up. And I'm the guy that gets to hold up these really <laughs> successful young. Well, they're older, mature men now. Well,
0: I would say you're probably the most you're, you're this month. He gets to be the most popular man among them because you're the most influential guy at TCU right now.
1: Uh, no, (laughs) there are a whole, there are a whole lot more people. And I, all I am is I'm a hangers on. I, I, I'm, I'm basking in their glory and all their hard work. And I, I tip my hats to the athletic director and to the, to the chancellor, obviously to the football coach and the team one, what, you know, I'm, I'm one of those that looks at the blocking the defense, the corners, yep. the halfbacks, and, you know, both on offense and defense. And yes, I do follow the the quarterback, but I really like to see what the split ends are doing. Are they blocking downfield? I'm one of those geeks.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today. Um, you will be around the Fiesta Bowl. So hopefully our, your friends that are listening to this can, uh, can uh, confirm the stories that you told about them. And then uh, if if any of the TCU alumni see Charlie, make sure to thank him for all the role he's played and especially the last 15 years of TCU football history as TCU is making its fourth trip to the Phoenix area for a bowl game since 2009 and 10. So, again, Charlie, thank you so much for joining us today and we thank you for all you've done for TCU and the Fiesta Bowl.
1: Go Frogs! Go Frogs!
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to get in touch with us to share your story, please contact us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TCU Alumni. We look forward to sharing our next story of how TCU Alumni are changing the world.